0: Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, Sanders. Joe Blue needs Harp Harpon Sports, the bar podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? A little Gators gift as the SEC scheduling gods shine down upon the Gators, at least for the start. Of the 2024 college football season. The Rays reload. Or are in the po- process of reloading. What Tyler Glassnow. Looks like he may be on the move. Manuel Margot may be going as well. What they could be getting in return to the Dodgers. Glassnow may not only be on the Dodgers radar. But two or three other teams in the National League. Including the Giants. What, what we are to ascertain if you will. From what the Rays are up to. Also. Speaking of scheduling, uh, National Football League announcing going south, way down south, way down south. South America, the latest on the international stage. Why it's just a matter of time if the NFL were, I shouldn't say just a matter of time, if the NFL were wise, now that they're exploring South America, with where the schedule is now with 17 games, they have the opportunity to do something really special here. And smart financially and fair. Those things usually don't collide, but they do in this instance as well. Again, Harp On Sports, The Bar, podcast, media, audio, radio, network, follow, share, like, subscribe, at Harp On Sports Twitter, at Harp On Sports Instagram, Harp On Sports Facebook page, Harp On Sports YouTube channel, auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify and Apple podcast under the Harp On Sports, The Bar heading. Of course, HarpOnSports.com. Check out the website. Good stuff there. All right. Let's start off with this. Uh, The SEC scheduling gods smiling upon the Gators. At least for the first half of the year. You look at what they get out of the gate. Now, I'm not going to, oh, this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to go through win-loss, win-loss. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Florida's favored in their first five games. Uh, No, I'm serious. Miami at home be favored. Samford at home, favored. A&M. I like Elko as a coach, but year one, week three in Gainesville, coming off Sanford, Florida should be favored. Week four at Mississippi State, new coach, should be favored. Week five at home, UCF, should be favored. Florida should be favored in their first five games next year. First five, have a chance to be favored. Problem with that is after that, buckle up, buckaroos. They've got a little bit of a window when they're at Tennessee and then they host Kentucky. And Florida has the toughest three-game stretch of anybody in the SEC. Come November, I should say October, mid to late October, they have the toughest three-game three stretch of anybody in the SEC. Georgia, Texas, on the road, LSU. Georgia, at Texas, LSU. you realize it's possible Florida may play three top five teams in the span of three straight weeks? So the scheduling gods reward, and then they punish. Again, the Gators get a gift. But gifts can turn into nightmares give you a great example. I had a buddy once give me a fantastic bottle of Jameson. It was 19 years old. It was fantastic. Yeah. Did you see how that could turn into a nightmare? Gifts can turn into nightmares. Sports cars turn into a nightmare. There's a bunch of stuff that's cool that can turn into a nightmare. And here's a gift that turns into a nightmare. But... I mean, you'd much rather have the chance to start off guns ablazing. If if you're Billy Napier, you couldn't have asked for a better schedule. Miami at home, Sanford at home, Texas A&M at home. I'm going to be favoring all three of them. Mississippi State on the road. If you're going to go to any road game, any road game in the SEC other than Vandy, you'd want to be at Mississippi State. Then you get UCF at home immediately following that, and then I like I said. You get Kentucky or Tennessee and Kentucky, then you get that stretch. It's just a nightmare. Georgia, LSU, and Texas, or is Georgia, Texas, LSU? And what what burns about that is Georgia, then you have to go to Texas, then you come back for LSU. Ole Miss missing out Florida State. So, I mean, win, win, loss, loss. No, no, not gonna do any of that stuff. But Florida has the distinct chance to be favored in their first five games. And then there's other, you know tweaks and twerks to the schedule when you go through and you look at this and like you see the Sanfords and the Florida States on the schedule and the UCFs and you start to say to your in the Miami to start the year you start to look around and go man how cool would it be with nine SECs? now that you have Texas and Oklahoma the opportunity for better SEC games are there and the, with a 12 team college playoff and just how much money and revenues involved with this and you know with the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma I think about this. I, I know UCF's a nice little thing, but think about how much more you would enjoy Florida v. Not that they're playing them this year, but would you rather see Florida take on Arkansas or Florida take on Sanford? See, and look, some there's no Missouri, no Vandy. Is it a tough schedule? Yeah. Once you get past the first half, you bet. But the first half is a gift, and we got a long way to go. Lot to iron out, but it's it's a different feel. Now they did keep Georgia right there. They protected windows. The uh, of course the cocktail party, the Red River shootout. They, they they Auburn Alabama's at the end of the year. They protected the windows of these big rivalries. You bet they did. But you know you start to look around and even Tennessee's in mid October, Kentucky's in mid. But we've seen Kentucky bounce around too at times. Look, they kept LSU late in November. Look, they're, they're, this conference has got so many great good teams in it now. It's going to be tough to, to siphon through some of this. It's going to be fascinating to see what the Big Ten looks like as they go to nine conference games and they had four pretty significant squads, right? Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC. That's going to be fascinating to see how that looks. So that's the next one we have look look to look forward to. It overall, the Gators a little bit of a gift. Scheduling gods they needed a break and they got one. Uh, from that to this. You know, (laughs) I am a big proponent of the business of sport. I always try to tell people, and you've heard me say it ad nauseum, don't confuse your love of sports with the business of sports. They're two totally different things. And what do we find out? Well, the NFL continuing to grow its brand and try to tell people all the time, the NFL and its 32 members are no different than McDonald's. With 32 menu items, growing their brand, trying to get into many different countries, populaces. Why? When you've tapped out an oil well here, you go tap it out somewhere else. These franchises are worth billions of dollars because of their global impact. Do you remember the time when people used to say, nobody cares about the NFL in Europe? Okay. Well, now, not only they care so much in Europe, they keep adding games in Europe, and Germany's got them now, that now they're headed to South America. The Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo, Brazil. 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 They're into Brazil. So, what have we seen? Well, here's where we are now. And there's a way for the NFL to make this work and be able to sell it to the myopic American sports fans that don't want to hear this. With unbalanced schedules now in 17 regular season games, eight home, eight road, one international. You need 16 international games to get your 32 teams at least one of them. Now this year the Jaguars played two. one home, one road. OK? Look, you want to do more than that, and that's up to you and your fan base. That's up to you in ownership. But looking at the cities, and look, you rotate them. I understand that some of the cities in here are a farther trek via airplane by about an extra, I don't know, 90 minutes in some cases. But eight, eight and one doesn't that work? Now look, you have to be realistic about this. In one year, if you are, let's say the Raiders, and you play in Mexico City, well, then the next year the Raiders gonna have to go to Germany. I l- come on, think about this. Th- doesn't this make sense? We're talking about, un- you know, we always talk about how the NFL is the most balanced sport, and it is. It is the most balanced sport in the league. Most balanced sport in professional sports. But when you start to talk about scheduling, how unfair is it that one team gets nine home games and the other team only gets eight? It's a distinct advantage of the National Football League. 8-8-1 eight, eight, eliminates that. Now, there's a difference between going to Mexico City, I get it, and going to London, I get it. But you balance it out the best you can. Eight home, eight road, one neutral site. So we've had Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Brazil now, London, Munich. You know, we talked about a couple stadiums in London. They're kicking the tires on Ireland now, Dublin. You've seen them play college football games. Is, is it Georgia Tech and Florida State that are playing next year? Boston, Boston College, Florida State? I know the Knolls are headed to Ireland. Then we're talking about, like, Paris, Rome. They're mentioning Japan, China. As a possible destination, Australia. That's a jaunt. See, now you're talking about going to London. If you're an East Coast team, it's a seven, eight-hour flight. If you're going to Australia, it's a 19-hour flight. Now we're now we're dealing with a little bit different setup in life. But I love this. Brazil. Okay. Th- now we're gonna open the NFL, just it continues to grow. And all of a sudden, what was one or two cities? Now we're to one. We got Mexico City's hosted, Brazil will host, London's host. Was other cities that have hosted in England as well? Munich is hosted. Well, Berlin kicked the tires. You, you keep growing this, and now we're talking about Paris and Japan. And I know Toronto's hosted, but Buffalo's proximity there—I guess it makes sense. But eh. eight, eight, and one. I, to me, I think this is an easy a, a check of the box. If you're the NFL and look there, where they're, they're going to have five, six games. Overseas, as they start to dip, then they do one or two a year within the next three or four years. Eight, eight and one just balances sucker out. And look, you don't need to be in eight different cities or sixteen different cities. Look, if you, I mean, eight would be the ideal number, and you played two games in each of the eight. So if you did Mexico City, Brazil, London, Munich's four, Dublin's five, Paris is six, Tokyo seven. You make this pretty easy. You talk about Spain. Make it pretty easy. Again, if you want to balance, grow your brand and balance. That's how you do it. And nobody's out of anything. Eight home games. One neutral. Eight road. And if... Here's what's amazing about this. People think that other countries, A, don't deserve... It doesn't matter about deserving. It's a financial boom for the National Football League. They have international television contracts. They sell these suckers out in like 40 minutes. They're building fans that buy and watch games constantly. They're growing the product. They care more about soccer and they always will. Always will. But smart business. Dawned on me, what's they, haven't, they haven't been to South America. That's a little bizarre. So and now they're even talking about is these international games grow, grow a permanent fourth time slot. If they get to the point where there's one international game a week, this is where it's going. Remember we were talking about the expansion to Thursday night and the expansion when the NFL wasn't that long ago, 30 years ago, you had what you had Fox. 30 years ago when Fox outbid CBS and to steal the NFC and the AFC was on NBC. You had Fox, NFC, NBC, AFC, and the first, what, five, six weeks of the year, the NFL was on TNT and the rest it was on ESPN at night on Sundays, on Sundays. So you had one, two, Monday night football, three, Sunday night football. You had four windows. Well, we caught the afternoon. You had Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Sunday night, Monday night you had four windows. Now what do you have? Katie bar the door, man. Thursday night, Three on Sunday, one on Thursday, one on Monday. You're all over the place. So having a 9 a.m. window? So four windows? Instead of the one, 430, 815, you're gonna have 9 a.m. once business. That's where it's going. Tonight if you want, but that's where that's where we're headed. Uh one to wrap with this. Major League Baseball, baby. And it's not an off season if the Rays aren't wheeling and dealing. And look, they've made trades that, that have been brilliant, the Rosarina trade, brilliant. They've made moves that have smart. I mean, letting Kiermaier go walk last year, they need okay. And it's a nightmare what right now, but what they did with Wander Franco is no different than what the Braves are doing with all their young stars. Their guys happen to be Turd Ferguson, so. Through all this, what do we have today? Well, we have talk that the Rays are shopping Tyler Glasnow, Manuel Margot to the Dodgers. Want to make sure I get these guys right. Ryan Pepe up and Johnny DeLuca. Well, what do, you, what do we know? Pitcher for a pitcher, outfielder for an outfielder. Now, nothing is imminent, but here's what we know about Glass now, and here's what we know about Margot compared to Pepe up, in DeLuca. Tyler Glass knows career. I, I was shocked to learn that he only has won 30 games his entire career. 30 and 28, 389 ERA. All right. He's due 20, what, 5 million this year? And I'm not paying him that. Off he goes. And Margot, is, what, he played 98 games last year, more for his defense. What, he had 264, four home runs. So he's 10 million or close to 10 million. So here's $35 million out the door. Here goes 30, or close to $35 million out the door and, what, $2 million in return? And what do we know about Ryan up and John DeLuca? This. up, young, one of the Dodgers' young best arms, 43 appearances, 276 ERA. That's at the big league level. DeLuca's stats are going to be at the minor league level, but up, 43 appearances, 276 ERA, what does this mean? It means this young man's going to be slated in to be a race starter for the next four or five years until we get to the Glasnow stage. And what else do we know? DeLuca, I went through and looked at his minor league numbers. I mean, he was a, a later round pick, what, 20th, 25th round? So he wasn't high on their list as a prospect, at least draft-wise, but he's just tearing it up. 21, 22, 23, minor league, minor league, minor league, Taking his time, single-A, double-A, triple-A, all the way up through. Averaging now, 20 home runs. What? About 75, 80 RBI as an outfielder. Hitting close to 300. He hit 300 this year at triple-A. Stealing about 15 bases. So here's a guy that's a twenty twenty guy that hits close to 300. So Margot, exit stage right. De, La Luca, De Luca comes in. Pepiot comes in. Glasnow's gone. You sacrifice two guys or one starter and one role playing defensive outfielder that you aren't re-signing anyway and get two young studs. Now they're talking about more guys being involved and we'll see where this all goes when it's all said and done. But if the Rays can do that, you should do it now. If this deal was available, the Rays should do this now. And Glasno slides into be what the Ray, the, the Dodgers, what fourth or fifth starter and you're the Rays, you clear $25, $30, 35000000 million in cap space. You get two young stars that you continue to rebuild on or build on. Glasnow's done wonders for you, but dude's going to be a free agent next year and going to want five years, $150 million. You're not giving him that. Now, there does come a time here that the Rays are going to have to make some decisions. As they head into their new stadium, what are those decisions going to be? Well, unfortunately, Wander Franco, who knows what's going to happen there? In an ideal world, they'll be able to avoid it and walk away. But Randy Rosarina is going to be $7 million in arbitration this year, right around there. And then they've got two more stints of arbitration with him. There's no way that's going to happen. We, next year, 12 months from now, are going to be where we are with Glasnow. Randy Rosarina will be there at about, what, $15, $16 million in arbitration. You may see a Rosarina play one more year in Tampa. He's not playing two more years in Tampa as their Laying the foundation a year from now, putting in concrete, rebar, all of those things. They're going to have a nice young nucleus. But at what point, and they did it with Wander Franco, at what point with some of these guys did they sit here and go, we need to have some of these guys around for the new ballpark. We need to have some guys hanging. We can't play the it's an organization you can't sit there for years and years and years and years and say, we're not competitive because of the ballpark. We're not competitive because of the ballpark. We're not competitive because of the ballpark. Well, here's a brand new ballpark. Well, we can't afford these guys. Then you're in the Marlins. We need a new ballpark. You need a ballpark. Here's your ballpark. eh, uh, uh, what? So at what point do you start sinking your teeth into some of these guys and get them long-term deals? Like I said, they did it with Wander. It didn't work. Randy Rosarina, you could try to do something with him right now, but pff, that dude's sitting around going, no, I, I mean, you're gonna if you sat down with Randy Rosarina, you probably could offer him, I don't know. he's got three more years of arbitration. You could probably sit down with him and do something like four years, 85 million, maybe. you may get him to stay for something like that. If he's seven million then 15 and four years you, you could do something like that with him if you wanted to. But even if you do that with him, you're going to have him for one year and then you're going to be trading him there anyway. Wanda Franco, who knows what happens with him, but Rosario is going to be a nice little block to bring you more guys in return. But at some point, as you go into the new stadium, you're going to want some of these assets around you. You want to enter the new stadium with... They're in a little bit of a bubble year this year. But the way this is going, those guys that they're building right now, if they get the DeLucas and if they get the Pepios, they, they pull move like this, then those guys are going to be right around the beginning of arbitration when that new stadium opens. Raise recoil, reloading. One of these times, we're going to have to be re-signing. Not yet. About a year from now, we're going to have to really start thinking about long-term deals with some of these young guys. Again, the one that they did, the Braves did it, and the Braves have built... Well, what they have? Seven guys hit at least twenty home runs last year. They gave all these guys monster deals, and seven of the nine not lived up to it. It's two of those guys would be free agents right now. Is Acuna would be a free agent right now. They got these guys locked up. Follow the Braves method, especially as they head into a new stadium. All right, Harp on Sports, the Bar Podcast Media Audio Radio Network. Remember, follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter at Harp on Sports Instagram Harp on Sports. Auditory route under the bar. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Harp On Sports, The Bar, Harp On Sports, Facebook page, Harp On Sports, The YouTube channel, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein. Have fun with your friends.